0: It is an honor to be here with you this morning. Um, I am Jen Dar. I am the adult ministry coordinator here at Hope Elam, If you don't know me, um, welcome. Uh, it is an honor to also share the stage with these wonderful, awesome women. They are a blessing to our community. We get to, yes. Let's praise. Them. Let's praise God for them. Absolutely. Yes. We get to speak about leadership from the Bible this morning and we have uh, selected a few leaders that really speak to us uh, as leaders in the church. Um, And as when I think about leadership, uh, I think that it's important that we address a few things. And first of all, um, who you are, whose you are, and that you have a purpose. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Eve this morning. But before I get into that, I'd like to ask you a question. Who do you let tell you who you are? Is it the world that you listen to? Or is it God? The world often tells us some negative things. And those negative things reflect the world's brokenness. When I think of Eve and the things that I have heard about her as I grew up, I heard that she's an afterthought. That she's inferior to that she's weak, and she's to blame. If you look at God, though, he usually has more positive things to say that reflect his goodness. In Genesis 1:27, it says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. To me, to say that Eve, or women, if you will, are an afterthought, or are inferior to, is belittling our God. Because how can anyone be inferior if you're made in the image of God? The God who always has been, who is, and who always will be, knew exactly what he was doing when he started creating Stacey and John Eldridge address this in their book uh, called Captivating. And they describe God as the ultimate artist when making his masterpiece. I want you to think about a painter and the process that they go through to make a painting. You start broad with a background. And then you start to add shapes and form. And as you go through the process, more and more detail is added. When you get to the final touches, that's where the most intricate and intentional detail is added that brings such great beauty. So if you think about that from the context of God creating, think of the big picture here. He created day and night, the seasons. Then he made the land and the sea and the air. Then he created all of the creatures that go within it. And finally, he created human beings The crown of creation. Think about how complex our bodies are. It is no mistake that God made Eve from Adam and that He made her last because He put great beauty into Eve. He gave her the ability to bear life, and that is a miracle. So, how could that be inferior? God knew what he was doing. In Ephesians 2:10 it says, "For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so that we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece." That is a powerful statement that speaks to the fact that we were made in his image and it also speaks to our purpose. Men and women were each given unique characteristics of God. One is not inferior to the other, but meant we are meant to complement one another and to work together for God's glory. So I'll say again that no one person is inferior to or superior to, but we are each given unique gifts, talents and experiences To be used for God's glory. You have a purpose, my friend. You have purpose. You are here to be a light to the world. By pointing people to Jesus. Jesus is a light of the world. And he said, you have a light that leads to life. When you... Shine this light. You are giving the gift of life through Jesus. I like Luke 15, 32. It says, celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come to life. He was lost, but he is found. Let's give that new life. And as we receive the love of God, we are to reflect that love and love each other well. For that is the great commandment, to love, one, to love your neighbor as yourself. So friends, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knew all of the days of your life before a single one came to be. He can only tell you who you are accurately. The opinions of this world are not what's important. The acceptance and the approval of God is all that matters. And we live to please him and to bring him glory. So God has a plan for you. And he wants to use your unique gifts within your unique sphere of influence. So my message is for the ladies in the house today. It's for the guys too, but ladies... We have a great women's ministry here at Hope Elam and we would love for you to join us to be the light, to bring life to one another and to love each other well. As a church, we are called to shine our light in this community that God gave us. We are called to bring new life and to bring healing to a hurting world. And we are called To love, love, and love. For they will know whose we are by our love. It is my hope that when others see me, that they see Jesus. That they see his light, his life, and his love. I pray that my daughters see Jesus in their mother. I pray that they know his heart. For them, because of my love for them. You guys get a special treat that the 930 didn't get, because there's a very special young woman here today. My daughter, my oldest daughter, it's her golden birthday and she turns 21 today. I love you, baby. I'm not done yet, guys. There might not be a dry eye in the house when I'm done. Um, (laughs) So when I was pregnant with my youngest, and my youngest is 18 months, by the way, so you guys can can sort that all out. Um, My life's a little complex, but uh, I'm blessed. Um, But when I was pregnant with my youngest, I rewrote the lyrics to a popular song. Um, and I would like to share that with you, but I'm going to share that in the context of my oldest daughter this morning. But it's, I also felt like God was saying that each and every one of you as children of God need to hear it as well. So. Iris, dry off your tears. There's no need to fear. You are so loved. Oh, Iris. Iris. You're so beautiful. I can't look at her. You're wonderfully made and so special. Iris, there's only one you. You have things to do. Only you can. Iris, you're God's precious gift. His light shines through you for his glory. Oh... Oh, 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 thank you, friends. That was fun to share. Um, oh, so I'll just end with this: Hope, Elam, be the light. Give life, and love well. And now I would like to invite the beautiful and talented Cheryl Hurst up.
1: Wow, I am so honored to stand up here with, to be in front of our Hope Elam community and especially with these three lovely women. talk a little bit about leadership and as leaders in our communities and our churches um, most importantly in our families sometimes we have to make a little sacrifice and um, we do that in order to achieve success and um, here's where I'm going to jump off and talk a little bit about Queen Esther um, because she was willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice in order to save her people Esther had characteristics. She, her name meant shining stars. She was beautiful, courageous. She was vociferous. She knew when the right time was to speak up and speak out about what was going on. She was selfless. She was obedient, very obedient. She was somewhat passive, and she was hopeful. So let me give you a little bit of a summary about the young Jewish girl named Hadassah. That's how she originally started. She was raised by Mordecai, the Jew, who was her cousin and guardian. She evolves as queen. She was chosen for her beauty because the previous queen, Vashti, refused to obey the king when she was summoned. Ladies, we're going to unpack that in a lift event. (laughs) The king's chief advisor was named Haman, and he was offended by Mordecai because, you see, the Jews had their own laws. And um, Mordecai didn't have to bow when he saw Haman. He just didn't have to do that. And Haman didn't like that. So he gets permission from the king to have all the Jews destroyed and killed. And so Mordecai gets word to Esther that, you know, this is going on. We have to do something about this. And don't think that just because you're in the palace with the king that you're safe and not be killed like the rest of the Jews. So Esther knew um, she had to speak up when the time was right. And if you keep quiet, in some versions it says silent, at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows, perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. And so Esther knew, okay, I'm going to have to make a sacrifice. So she put together a dinner with the king, and it included Haman. And she goes in, or or before she does that, she goes and she gets word to Mordecai, and she says, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink, drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. And so she was willing to pay all that, pay that, the ultimate sacrifice by being disobedient and going to see the king. Where Vashti was disobedient and not going to see the king. So Esther put together this dinner and she she had it for the king she had a couple dinners and then she said with Haman there why would you allow this horrible plot to kill me and the rest of my people and the king said well who would put together an evil plot like that and she said this evil man Haman that's sitting right here so Haman you know he was like uh oh i'm in trouble so Haman was ultimately killed And the king took off his signet ring, which had been taken from Haman, and he gave it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed Mordecai to be in charge of Haman's property. Now, the king also learned the relationship between Mordecai and Esther and that he had raised Esther. She was an orphan. He was her cousin. And there was a plot early on in the book of Esther where there were two men who wanted to kill King Xerxes, And um, Mordecai was the one that foiled that plot. And he had never been honored before for doing that. The king said he'd never been honored and wondered why. So this was also a part of Esther's success in having Mordecai, her cousin and guardian, um, honored. So I want to finish this with, finish this with, Queen Esther was a shining star who rose up. I'm going to talk to the ladies now in the house. Gentlemen, you can listen into this also. Hope Elam women, Lift women, we are queens. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, joint heirs of Christ. We are shining stars with the Spirit of God in us. Lift is an acronym for ladies in fellowship together. Now ladies, we need to fellowship together and get to know each other because we have work to do. We have to lift each other up as women and not tear each other down. We have to be inclusive in all of this. We have an assignment from God. When other women out in the community come in and see us loving on each other and fellowshipping with each other, they're gonna wanna be a part of this. So ladies, are you ready to bring glory and honor to God? All right, are you ready to bring glory and honor to God? Then you have to stand with me, lock arms with me, and I want to hear you right now. Am I my sister's keeper? Am I my sister's keeper? Do you all hear me? Am I my sister's keeper? Thank you. And now I have the honor to introduce Reverend Bonnie, <laughs> this awesome woman of God.
2: God is good all the time. Throughout scripture, God teaches us that he is no respecter of persons. In other words, he shows no favoritism. He created both male and female in his image, and he works through all of us, both men and women of faith, to accomplish his divine plan and purpose. So for just a few minutes today, I want to talk to you about a woman named Rahab. Her story of incredible faith and courage unfolds in Joshua chapter 2. And, you know, there's so much to learn from her, but for the sake of time, I want to focus on two truths today that we can apply in our quest to fulfill the assignments that he has placed on each and every one of us. So the first truth that Rahab's story teaches us is this. God uses ordinary people to carry out his extraordinary plan. That's good news, y'all. Now, what Rahab has in common with all the other men and women that God has used to carry out his plan is this. They all struggled with sin. And I'm here to tell you, the Bible says all have fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned and fallen short but through faith in him and our willingness to act he says that he will empower us to do great and mighty things. Anybody in the house today want to do great and mighty things for God? Amen. Now I want to share with you a little bit about Rahab. She was a Gentile She was a Canaanite who God, as a matter of fact, was preparing the Israelite armies to come in and actually destroy. They were a very wicked people. Now, she lived in the city of Jericho, and she was quite beautiful. The culture she lived in uh, held women's uh, value and rights in very, very low regard. Therefore, her value was greatly diminished, and her, her voice was all but silenced. The women hated her and looked at her with contempt because, well, I'm here to tell you, (laughs) Rahab was a lady of the night. She was a harlot. She was a prostitute. And her business was frequented by the very men who refused to see her immense value and the beauty that was in her heart. Now, the men that came to her house to frequent her business we're always talking about this god of israel and and what god was doing with the people of israel and as they talked and they said man this god took them out of bondage from egypt and carried them through the red sea on dry land and her heart sparked with a fire that she had not felt before and what was so neat is is that what she didn't know is that when she was believing that, she didn't realize that God was listening to her heart. Hallelujah. God knew what was in her heart, and he knew the faith that she had in him and what he had done for the people. And do you want to know what God was getting ready to do? God was getting ready to prepare a divine appointment to change her life forever. Do you know what a divine appointment is? I'm glad you asked. A divine appointment is a moment in time where you encounter God by coming across a person or a group of people that are significant in God's purpose for your life. So let's look at this divine appointment. Joshua secretly sends two spies to check out the strength of the armies of Jericho. And what does God do? He leads them right to Rahab's house. And after they say why they are there, the king of Jericho hears about the men being there. So what does he do? He sends men and he says, bring those men out to me and deliver them unto me. But Rahab wouldn't do it. Rahab astonished the spies and, and, and she hid them and kept them safe until the king's men left and they could escape. Now, I just want you to think about this. Think about the anxiety. Think about the fear. Think about... Everything that must have been going through her mind and her heart, and the courage that it took for her to persevere, to withstand her fears, to overcome that difficult situation. This woman led those men to safety. This woman had the courage to lead under that difficult situation. And I'm here to tell you that is inspiring, to say the least. That is one bad sister. <laughs> Or as they say, one bad mamma jamma. (laughs) So this brings us to the second truth that Rahab's story teaches us. Courage gives us the strength to release what we are holding on to so that we can receive his blessings. And I'm here to tell you today, God does not waste our time. Every word that these women have prayed over, fasted over, waited on God... This is a word for somebody here today, and I'm here to tell you. Now, listen to me. Whenever God is preparing you to fulfill his purpose in your life, there will be sacrifices that you must make. He cannot give to you what he has for you until you release what you are so tightly holding on to. Amen? Tell me, what what can God put in these hands? Can, can, Can he put something in these hands? Because I'm holding on so tightly. But when I say to God, you know what? My job, that relationship, my control, my fear. And as I begin to let go, what can God do? As I let it go, God can put what it is that he has already prepared for me. He can put it right in these open hands. Amen. You've got to let go of whatever it is that you're holding on to. Because it's keeping you from being obedient to what God is calling you to. So Rahab had the courage to ask the spies. Can you believe that? She had the courage to ask the spies. She said, listen, I did this courageous act. I want you to save not only me, but my entire family. So in order for God to give her what she asked for, she had to walk away from so much. She walked away from her profession. That's her livelihood. She had to walk away from her people. She had to walk away from everything that she was comfortable with. Anybody here comfortable with what you're holding on to? Anybody familiar with what you've got in your hand? In order for God to give you something new, you have got to step up in faith. You have got to be willing to do whatever it is that God has called you to do. Now, I love what uh, Hebrews 11 says, and I love the Living Bible Translation. Listen to faith. Faith is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us. Even though, even though we cannot see it up ahead. Now here is what I want you to hear. Rahab, who felt so unworthy of God's deliverance. Rahab, who felt so unworthy of his blessings cast out by the community, looked at with contempt. No man standing beside her to love her and value her with the way that she deserved to be loved and valued. Please understand that she had the courage not only to believe in God, but to act on it no matter the personal cost. There is a personal cost. No one understands more about that personal cost than the obedience to our Father's will than Jesus Christ. Jesus, the night before he was crucified, he laid in that garden and he cried out in agony for hours. And he said to his Father, I want you to release me. I want you to release me from having to, to die such a torturous and agonizing death. But he knew that in order for all of us to receive God's forgiveness, in order for all of us to receive the gift of eternal life, he couldn't turn back. Jesus Christ couldn't turn back. He gave his life for ours. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ was willing to give it all for us? Rahab, Rahab was able to come into the family of God, and guess what? When we accept the Lord Jesus Christ, we are adopted into the family of God. It takes tremendous courage. It takes tremendous courage to walk by faith and trust God. when we don't know the outcome. Can I get an amen? Amen. But that is what faith is, right? We walk by faith and not by sight. So here's one of my favorite scriptures. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. And can I just say this? I can guarantee you that Rahab had it in her mind and heart. Is there anything too difficult for my God? And she made the decision at that moment that whatever she was holding on to, was it worth holding on to that and sacrificing knowing God? She knew that wherever she went, as long as she had God with her, she had everything that she needed. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I just want to take a minute and tell you how God blessed Rahab. Rahab and her entire family were saved from destruction. She married Salmon, who was said to be one of the two spies that she was able to hide. And he was a prince of the house of Judah. So here a one-time harlot is in the leading families of Israel. Don't tell me what God cannot do. Don't tell me. Let me close with this. Because God uses ordinary men and women like us to accomplish extraordinary things, he arranged a divine appointment with Pastor John and Pastor Mike. And that divine appointment, that divine appointment brought this together. And because they were willing to sacrifice, do do you all understand what it took for Pastor John and Pastor Mike, everything that they had to sacrifice everything that they had to be willing to release, but they did it because they love God. They did it because they wanted to see us blessed and they want to see the community blessed. God has supernaturally brought all of us together because he wants to do extraordinary things. And I'm just going to end this on a personal note. Ladies, I walked into the church at the first time of age 21, and I had nobody in my corner. I felt unloved, unworthy, and you want to know what happened? God sent godly woman after godly woman after godly woman to step into my space and love me right where I was at. That was 30 years ago, and look where I'm standing. I don't take the credit for that. I am letting you know that women, we make the difference. There are women out here that are alone. There are women out here that need Jesus Christ. There are women out here that do not know what true love feels like. So please, please find a place to serve in the church. Know that you make a difference. Somebody's blessing is depending on your obedience. We can love one another with the love of Jesus Christ. And guess what? His love makes the difference. It is my awesome opportunity to be able to introduce to you Pastor John's beautiful, talented, lovely, sassy sassy wife, Miss
3: Tiffany. So we've covered three great women, Eve, Esther, and Rahab. <laughs> Eve's identity, Esther's amazing perspective, Rahab's... Hmm, Intimate love in Jesus, in God. And this morning when we read in Acts, we maybe noticed that that scripture was heavy in leadership of men. And oftentimes, in Christianity and when we read through scripture, male leadership is referenced a lot because there is a lot of it. And that's okay. Okay. And that's good. But if we take a second look, a deeper dive in scripture, we also see that there are powerful women. Powerful leaders that are weaved through. And this second service here, I, I was sitting over here going, oh my word, yes, not only did they sacrifice, but they made a lot of change for their people, whoever their people were. To the point of like, saving them (laughs) that's a really big deal so we've talked about these three lovely women there are plenty more and I have the opportunity to find our place in God's story amidst all of this okay so we have God's story and then we have the thief In John 10, 10, Jesus says, and let's read this together. In John 10, 10, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Turn to your neighbor and say, life abundantly. Life abundantly, right? That's what we get with Jesus, Right, but all along the story, Old and New Testament, here's Satan, his one job to do. He's got one job, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so for myself and for all of us, how does that play out? How do we get this abundant life and our scope of influence and in our sphere of influence in our leadership every single day? How do we get this abundant life? And something that I've learned Probably only in the last six months, actually, has been these terms replace, reframe, and rejoice. We want to replace for God's identity and his confidence. I want to walk these three through with you really briefly. In 2 Corinthians 10, it says to take every thought captive before the Lord, give it to the Lord, he will tell you if it's truth. So to replace the lies with the truth, replace the lies of the world, replace the lies of what other people say about you that you know aren't true, but sometime win the day. Replace it for God's identity and confidence. When we have God's identity, we lead in confidence. We lead boldly. So to replace. Satan wants to kill your identity he wants to steal it so something is presented to you and you have the opportunity to say is this a godly thought or a worldly thought is this the lie or the truth and when we live in god's truth we are able to then reframe Okay? So reframing is when you work intentionally and repeatedly at times to rewire, reframe your mind, your actions, your heart for God's perspective. God's identity, God's confidence, God's perspective. And sometimes in reframing we need to be able to renew our minds. So Romans 12:2, well the beginning of Romans chapter 12, it talks about no longer conforming to the patterns of this world, but instead to be renewed. When we renew ourselves in God's truth, then we are able to know what his good and pleasing will is for our lives. So one way that I've seen this done and one way that has been really helpful for me in reframing is the world's way might say, I'm a mess. Hmm. But God's way, his perspective says, I'm human. The world's way might say, I can't do this. But we reframe that to God's perspective and it's, I can do hard things. Sometimes leadership is messy. Sometimes we think we can't do it. (laughs) But God's perspective simply says, You're a human and you can do hard things. Sometimes the world will say, I'm a failure. (laughs) But to reframe that to say, I'm learning, I'm learning, the world's way will say, Why is this happening? Or I would say, like, was the deal? Like, seriously. (laughs) But God's way, his perspective, God's perspective is, what is this teaching me? What is this teaching me? And when we reframe to God's perspective, we are able then to surrender, like what Bonnie so delicately said surrender, then we know God's will. So reframing gives us that opportunity to know his will, to follow through. Replacing replaces the lies with the truth so that we have our identity and our confidence in God. And finally, rejoice so that we are able to rejoice in God's love. Rejoice always, scripture says, always, Not just on a good day, in the deepest of sorrow, in the worst pain, in the unending confusion that so many of us have probably felt recently. Right? Rejoice always because when we're able to rejoice, when we choose to rejoice, God says, I love you. He says, you are beautiful, unique, strong, powerful, passionate Because when you rejoice, you are also surrendering to saying, yes, God, I believe that you love me. And I will hear the truths that you're saying to me. So we replace, we refrain, we reframe, sorry, refrain, music. We replace, we reframe, and we rejoice. Those three things, plus a whole host of other things, have been so helpful for me, not only in this last year that we've all experienced so much, but also for me personally. Everyone has their different seasons in life that they go through. (laughs) And I've been in a season of negative self-talk. I've been in a season of not being good enough. And that's okay. But these three things that I just shared with you have been crucial for me. So what is it for you, right? We all have our things. Those are what it is for me, to replace the lies with the truth, to reframe, to find God's perspective, and to rejoice so that I know that God loves me. But why is this so important for us today to stand before you and talk about biblical leadership, also Godly female biblical leadership as well. Why is this so important to look at this in your own life as well? Well, Hope Elam, we have a vision and a mission that is bigger than all of us combined. It's a God-sized mission. And we are called into this mission, not because we are good enough. Not because we are perfect. No, it's because our identity and our truth is found in Ephesians when it says that we are holy and blameless and chosen. We have a huge, huge role to play in our city and in our world. And if I can speak for to the women for a hot minute, men, keep your... Keep your ears open, however. This is a huge reason as to why we're so incredibly passionate about declaring as a church and as women that Jesus loves you no matter what. He died on the cross for our sins so that we would live in eternity for forever. Not so that we can live in this world and say whatever it is that we say to each other as women. But to encourage one another, lift one another up. And we have a role, women, in Hope Elam. You have been called just as much as anyone else because they're watching us. This is just a little snippet of gals that worship at Hope Elum. I happened to have cell phone numbers of some people and said, hi, can you send me some pictures of your daughters? And I know all of them. And I'm passionate about them knowing who they are as women. Especially this one in the middle here. Who's Everly, our daughter. And this last week, she came running outside in her beautiful dress that she wore for daddy-daughter date night. A crown that she gave to me on my birthday. In honor of me, but for her, basically. (laughs) And boxing gloves. (laughs) That's right. Boxing gloves. And I show you that not to stand up here and say, I am a really awesome mom. Because that is a lie that has to be replaced with the truth all the time. And I pray that the imagination... Whatever she was fighting off, chasing her brother, her spunk, her joy, and I pray that I don't take that away from her. I know that I have, because I'm a sinner. And that's okay, because God is still good. Even amidst my failures as a mom, as a spouse, as a friend, God is still good. When I have unresolved, hurt, broken relationships, misaligned identity, my love for anyone, whew, don't be around me. Although God will still use whatever I bring in my flesh, he will still use it for his good. Because God is good. And women of Hope Elam, we have a choice to make right now. We have a choice to stand up, similar to what Cheryl said, stand up, link arms, and say, I will support you. We have a choice to show the children of the next generation coming up that are in Hope Kids or in the nursery right now, we have a choice to say yes to one another. We have a choice to say, I will not just talk to my white friends. I will not just talk to my black friends. I will talk to everyone right i will not just say these people i'm comfortable with these are a little uh. no we will say yes to what god's identity is for us as a church and that is this not this when we have god's identity when we have god's perspective and when we have, have his love we can change the world And for us, our worlds all look different. (laughs) And that's what makes this so beautiful. beautiful. So this last week when I was preparing, these words, like, they just came out first. And so I'm going to end with this. Um, On the days when you feel like you aren't good, God is good. On the days when you are tired, worn down, or weary, God is good. On the days when you question your identity, God is good, and you are his son or daughter. On the days when your sacrifice and your success doesn't feel enough, God is good. (laughs) On the days when you don't feel like taking action... God is good and you are still a part of his story, not because of what you do or your spiritual condition, but because of who you are in his heart. Hope Elam, on the days when we choose comfort or our fear or our passivity over the mission that God has set us on, he's still good. On the days when we long for in-person worship, mask-free, And we don't think we'll ever get there. God is good. On the days when we compare ourselves to our brothers and sisters, instead of lifting them up, God is still good. As we transition in to our final worship song, declaring at the beginning that God is good, I encourage you to fill in the blank. On the days when... Fill in the blank. Surrender that to God. Confess it. Declare it. And then let him say to you that he is good. So let's stand up if you're able. And let's worship this really good God.